What poem or line from a poem captures your imagination, giving you a way to see God, yourself, others, or the world around you? Welcome to The Good Word. I'm Jody Washburn, host and study guide author for this 13-week series on the Book of Psalms. Joining me in conversation are Tiago Aheis and Matilda Fry, both professors in the School of Theology. Robert Alter is a scholar who has written extensively on the Hebrew Bible, and in his book, The Art of Biblical Poetry, he argues that poetry is not just a set of techniques for saying impressively what could be said otherwise. Rather, it is a particular way of imagining the world. So I wonder, when you think of how the Psalms are poetry, can you think of an example, either within the Psalms or even with, you know, outside, an example of a line from a poem or a poem that has captured your imagination, that has shaped how you see the world? Yeah. Um, well, a hello to our listeners. It's a joy to be here with you, Jody and Matilda. Poetry has been a, a central part of my life since days of high school. So I can remember several poems that were there for me in specific moments that were truly helpful. One of my favorite ones, and I should have written down a line, I just have the title for people, um, is, a, is a poem by um, a Palestinian-American uh, called Naomi Shihab Nye called Famous. And in the whole poem, she sort of goes through different ways of being famous. And then in the end, she just says, I want to be famous like the fish is to the water and how the button is to the opening in the shirt. Because fame, being famous for her was not about some glory outside, but just being there for a particular need in front of her. So I think that's the beauty of poetry, isn't it? It's a way to expand the imagination. It's a way to shape life. Um, and there was a, I was reading the other day um, uh, an interview with a poet called Christian Wyman, who currently has cancer, and he shared the following words. Poetry has its uses for despair. It can give one's loss a form and dimension so that it might be loss and not simply a hopeless haunting. Mm -hmm. So what I love about poetry, it's yes, in those lines, in those verses that hit you, it not only expands your imagination, but it gives shapes to things that are internal to us that were probably just fluid and not defined or not clarified in our own being. So I guess these are just first introductory words I could say about that, how meaningful poetry is to me, and how that one poem, Famous, was very important to me at a particular time in my life. Well, I am not actually a poet, but I have discovered Leonard Cohen mm. and his uh, songs and poetry, and I just love the way he expresses life real life through those uh, lines that he puts into song. Uh, the most famous or the, maybe the most known is the Hallelujah. Mm -hmm. um, and he speaks of the broken Hallelujah, the holy or the broken. And in both, there is, um, there is the reality of life in it. And so uh, when, he, when he says something like... Um, there is a blaze of light in every word. Mm. It doesn't matter which you heard, the holy or the broken hallelujah. Mm. And then I believe this is the last verse. I did my best. It wasn't much. I couldn't feel, so I tried to touch. <laughs> mm. I've told the truth. I didn't come to fool you. And even though it all went wrong, I'll stand before the Lord of song with nothing on my tongue but hallelujah. Powerful. Beautiful. Isn't it? Yeah. Um, there is so much depth 
in those in those lines and in the way he puts it. Uh, and I'm always touched when I hear those things. And I believe he's really a person who probably would I would consider close to the book of the Psalms or the books of the Psalms that we are mm-hmm. going to uh, to discuss together. Yeah. And both of you, in a way, described a naming. There's something freeing to have a part of human experience named mm-hmm. while acknowledging that every naming is incomplete. Mm. And I, I, the poem that came to my mind when I thought about this is just a recent one. Um, I used to think of myself as someone who couldn't understand or even be moved by poetry. And recently, I, I feel very different about that. I've caught sort of what you're describing, Matilda, of, of describing how a line um, captures you and helps you see like the multiple facets of, mm-hmm. of a particular human experience. And a line that captured my attention very strongly. I heard it on the radio in passing while I was driving this summer, and I could not stop thinking about it. And it's it's a famous poem from Emily Dickinson. Um, Hope is the thing with feathers that perches in the soul and sings the tune without the words and never stops at all. Mm. I just kept thinking about that because hope can feel so fleeting and yet so central to human life. And somehow that that phrase captured that. So the lesson wisely starts out this 13-week series by saying we should we should reflect a bit on how to read this poetry. And one of the things that that is so central to poetry, actually to all of the Hebrew Bible, even narrative doubles or mm-hmm. speaks in parallelism. Um, but but essentially poetry is Almost all, almost every line of Hebrew poetry exhibits some kind of doubling. And this is interesting for me to reflect on because I remember when I first started teaching, just in general, not just Hebrew Bible, but archaeology and other things, I told my students, well, if you say something to me twice, I feel offended because I heard you the first time. I don't need to hear it again. (laughs) And the students (laughs) said back to me, oh, professor, please, please repeat we need to hear it more than once. Mm-hmm. And it really got me thinking about how we as humans can have such a wide variety of experiences of, of repetition. Mm-hmm. And there's a lively, lively debate, as you both know well, among scholars of Hebrew Bible. What, what is the doubling? Is it, is it really saying it again in different words? Some people say yes. Other people say absolutely not. There's never an example where it's saying again the same thing in other words. It's, it's adding, right? It's narrowing the mm-hmm. focus. It's expanding. It's offering some sort of additional meaning. Mm-hmm. And so I just, wondering, I just wonder for each of you, what do you make of the, of the doubling or what we call parallelism in Hebrew poetry? And, and what does it do for us as readers of the Psalms, to be mindful of that doubling. Mm-hmm. I think the Hebrew Bible is full of parallelisms. Like, it's all over the place. Yeah. It's in the stories, um, um, maybe on a, on a bigger scale in the structuring, uh, but definitely in the poetry. And um, one thing that I feel um, is helping so much, helping me so much, is when, when you see that doubling, that parallelism, um, to restate something in a different, with a different word, um, changes 
still changes a bit the idea, either into like making it stronger or taking it into a different area of, of um, you know, the feeling, the emotional aspect of it. And that is definitely very present in the Psalms. Mm. Yeah, I love that idea of it, of it bringing the same idea or principle, but like almost placing it in a different realm of emotion or mm-hmm. even a different arena of life. I mean, later mm-hmm. in the quarter, we're going to talk about how the authors of the Psalms talk about God as king and God as shepherd. God, you know what I mean? Like all these metaphors or analogies, each of them bringing something different. But you're saying that same thing, highlighting a different facet, is happening in the parallelism itself, that when we have two stories or a story and a poem or lines of a poem side by side, it's taking that concept and applying it, helping us to apply it in a different mm-hmm. arena. You know, we all hear the things differently. And what for one person would be the first line and it speaks to them. For another person, it might be another expression of that concept. Um, and that like speaks to me. So there is a there is a like um, a back and forth between the the written text that we have and we hear in church or we prayed, and then the the person who hears that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why it models life so much, right? I mean, this impermanence of things where, yes, there is a repetition of ideas, but there's frequently the expansion or the intensity or the break. Yeah. So it sort of prepares you to, to experience the rhythms of life. Now, truly, Jody, I think you're right. There's a long discussion among scholars if even what we have in the Psalms is Hebrew poetry to begin with. Now, obviously, the, the majority do side with that idea, and they do say that the true brilliance or the genius of Hebrew poetry is the parallelism, how it shapes this 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 mode of understanding things by means of the intensity of the of the of the adding of the breaking. Now, um, to me, what I take from it, which I think is is quite interesting, is simply um, the idea that how which which was said. I wrote it down here. I by friends. Rosenweig, um, him and Martin Buber have a great book on scripture and translation. And Friends writes um, that how something is said is not peripheral to what is said, which is also something very important to be mindful. And obviously throughout history, we have that same idea sort of implemented in so many ways of communication. Um, But I do think that's something to be mindful of, especially as we're trying to study the Bible that has so many literary features. Now we're facing Hebrew poetry. But just to be sensitive to the way of, or the how things are said is just as important as what is actually being said. So in a culture where we like just to read the verse and believe and, and go and do, to be sensitive to these literary features is a, is a very important thing to, mm-hmm. to biblical literature. Mm-hmm. And in a, in a place where maybe we grew up thinking a poem had to rhyme at the end and have the same amount of syllables. I mean, there, there, are, there used to be, I can't mm-hmm. speak now, but there used to be very simplistic ways that mm-hmm. we were taught as children about poetry. And so maybe it's a lifelong journey to, mm-hmm. if, if we are people who belong to faith communities for which the Psalms provide kind of the, the soundtrack, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if we wish individually to engage with the Psalms as apprenticeship in prayer, then to be on a lifelong journey of, of cultivating our sensitivity, our mm-hmm. awareness of, of these, um, what I would call form, right? Mm-hmm. We focus so much on content That's in the right. Western world when form is as much a part of the message, mm-hmm. maybe more than the content. That's so, right. Yeah. yeah, to cultivate that sensibility. Well, I'd like to finish up by maybe 
each of us take a a short um, look at Psalm 21 and just name one line. What is one line from Psalm 121 that captures your attention? For me, I think I love the line, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Mm. Yeah, living in Santa Fe for the last five years, I think I would just agree with you there. It's just, it was always beautiful to be surrounded by mountains and have that psalm sort of in the back of, of our head, shaping how we experience not only nature, but our spiritual journey as well. It's a beautiful thing. And the one that I would cite is, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Beautiful. Well, thank you, Matilda and Tiago. And of course, thanks to Kristen Byerly and Rick Basket, our program engineers. And to you, our listeners, thank you for tuning in. For The Good Word, I'm Jody Washburn. You've been listening to Good Word, a production of the School of Theology at Walla Walla University and KGTS-FM. To order a copy of today's broadcast, you can call 509-527-2194. Thanks for listening, and we'll be here next week at this time with Good Word.